Alrighty, uh, good afternoon. We're on the 35B Lamed Hay Amud Bays, and we are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 lines down from the top of the page. Um, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa Rami. That's what we're, uh, that's what we're up to. And uh, let's get started. So Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi Rami, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi, he um, presented the following seeming contradiction. Ksiv alokachti degani bi'ito. Um, so the first verse he quotes is God speaking, saying, I will take my grain at its time. And obviously that says that it's God's grain. It's God speaking, saying my grain. Uh, it says, you will gather in your grain. And again, that's God speaking. So does grain belong to us or does grain belong to God? Um, low kasha, so we say it's not a question. Here where it's your grain, says God, that's when the, the Jewish people are doing the will of God. Whereas here, um, where it says it's my grain or God's grain, that's when the Jewish people are not doing the will of God. And you shall gather in your grain. Now, why did the, this even have to be mentioned? So what, God, what God's doing in this part of the Torah is basically telling the Jewish people that if you fulfill my will, then you will get grain and wine and oil, and part of and, and then God seems to add those superfluous words of you will gather your grain. Obviously, if you're going to get grain, you'll gather it. Why does the Torah have to speak out? You will gather your grain. So what's the what's that coming to teach us? Matamalomar. What's it coming to teach us? Lafisha Neamar, because the verse says Lo Yamush Sefer Hatorah Mizhazemi Picha. It says that this book of the Torah shall not move from your mouth. You may have thought to take this verse completely literally and always be studying Torah and not spend time on mundane things such as gathering your grain. Therefore, the verse adds that you will gather your grain. Meaning, although Torah study is very important, it's also important to do things that will allow you to um, sustain yourself and your family. And therefore, it's you will gather your grain. It doesn't just magically appear in your home. Hanheg bahen min That's what the Torah is teaching is, is um, together bahen, together with the Torah study, make sure that you conduct yourself in the way of the world. In other words, make sure that you're also providing yourself and your family um, a livelihood. Rabbi Shmuel, those are the words of Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shem ben Yochai, Omer, Rabbi Shem ben Yochai says, Adam Choresh B'Shas Efshar, Adam Choresh B'Shas Harisha. Now, is it really possible to say that a person can plow at the time of plowing, Vizoreya B'Shas Zria, and um, sow at the time of sowing, Vikotzer B'Shas Ktsira, and harvest at the time of harvesting, Vidash B'Shas Disha, and um, thresh at the time of threshing, and winnow at the time when the wind is blowing. So is it really possible to say that a person can involve themselves in all of these mundane pursuits in order to provide a livelihood? If you do all of this, then what's going to happen to Torah study? It will be completely fall by the wayside. Ella, rather, this is how you reconcile, this is how you have to, rec- this is how you reconcile um, Earning a livelihood and the Torah. It goes like this: At a time when the Jewish people are doing the will of God, 
melachta naasis ayudeacherin, then their work will be done by others. Shinemar, as the verse says, strangers will stand up and they will shepherd your flock. That's when they're doing, that's when the Jewish people are doing the will of the God. And then they can devote their time solely to Torah study and others will do their work for them. But when the Jewish people are not doing the will of God, then their work is done, has to be done on their own. And that's where it says here, you will gather your grain, meaning there is a scenario where you'll have to gather your own grain and your Torah study will fall by the wayside. And that is in a scenario where the Jewish people as a collective are not doing the will of God. And not only that, and not only will they have to do their own work, but they'll also have to do others' work. Others work. Shenemar, as the verse says, you will be serving your enemies. Okay. Many people did like Rabbi Shmuel says, that you should learn Torah and also earn a living. And they were successful. Rabbi Shimbin Yochai, the low also the Yadon, and others did like Rabbi Shimbin Yochai. Um, learning, solely learning and hoping that your work is done by others. And the low also the and they were not successful. Amr Luhu Rava Rabbanon. And Rava would say to the rabbis, Bimatusa Minaichu, I request of you, Binome Nisan of Yome Tishrai. That in the days of Nisan and the days of Tishrei, which were the planting and the harvesting seasons, Lotus Chazau Kamai, I do not want to see you in front of me. In other words, do not come to the study hall. In order that you not be completely um, overwhelmed about sustaining yourselves for the rest of the year. In other words, during those times when it's very important that you are in the field in order to provide yourself for the rest of the year, make sure that that is what you are focusing on because if you don't focus then, then the end result will be that the entire year you'll be struggling to make a living. Okay, Amar Rabbi Barachana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Eli. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Eli. Bo ure'e, come and see, Shalok Kedoros Harishonim Daros Acharonim. That the early generations, um, and the later generations are not like the earlier generations. Doros Harishonim, Asu and Kebel, Malachtan Arai. The earlier generations made the Torah their main part of what they did, and their work was just their more um, temporary or their their secondary part of what they did. And they were successful in both, both their Torah learning and their um, occupation. But the later generation that made their work um, into their primary occupation, and their Torah was just more, um, they were more, it was more flippant, it was a secondary thing. Neither were successful. They weren't successful in their Torah learning and they're not successful in their occupations. And Rabbi Khana said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Lai. Come and see that again, the later generations were nothing compared to the earlier generations. The earlier generations, they would bring their fruit from their fields into their homes in the normal way through the front door, um, through their courtyard and front door. In order, in order to obligate themselves 
in having to give tithes of their produce. Daras HaAchronim, the later generations, Machnisim Perusehen, they would bring their fruit in from the fields, Derech Gagos, through the roof, Derech Hatseros, through not their main courtyard, but a side or back courtyards, the Derech Karfefos, or through um, these uh, storage areas. So in other words, they would go through those areas instead of going through the main entrance, in order that they would never be obligated in tithing their produce. Domer Rabbianai, because Rabbianai said, Untithed produce, you are not obligated to tithe it unless it sees the face of the house. In other words, unless it is brought into the house through the main entrance, the normal way. Shenemar, as the verse says, I took the, the, um, I took the sacred from my home. And uh, we learn from there that in order for something to become sacred, in order for it to be, in order for it to be obligated in tithing, it has to come into your home through the normal entrance way. For Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, "Afilu kovas." He says that you don't actually have to bring it into your home as long as you brought it into your main courtyard. You are obligated in Meiser into tithe it. Shenamar, as the verse says, and uh, as the verse says, and they will eat it in their gates and they will be satisfied. Okay, so that's where we are now. Alrighty, so we're now at the, uh, I believe the second colon on the page, pretty far down. Um, I'd say like right in the middle of the, or basically in the middle, maybe a little bit further down in the middle of the medium-sized lines. Uh, it says, Chutzmin Hayayin. So what we're talking about here is that although everything that comes from a tree, you say, the blessing of blessed are you god who created the fruit of the tree um here um when it comes to wine we actually say a different blessing we say who created bari prihagaf and who created the fruit of the vine so now we're going to ask yayin. why is it that the wine is different than all other things that come from a tree so if you're going to say it's because when something changes for the good then its blessing changes, but take a look at oil, it changed from olive into oil, and that's uh, considered a betterment, yet you still um, make the blessing of, blessed uh, about, of uh, who created the fruit of the tree. Why doesn't that get its own blessing? Now, by the way, this is, this is not uh, the halacha lamasa, this is not practical halacha that you make on olive oil, you know, um, we'll get, you know, that you make, uh, the blessing of who created the fruit of the tree. We'll be, we'll definitely talk a lot more about that. We're just going on this opinion right now and trying to figure it out. So why wouldn't you say on olive oil, a different blessing then? Because as, because as we know, that's not the case. Like Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel, and so Rabbi Yitzchak said in the name of Rabbi Yochran, Shemen Zayis, the Olive oil, we make a blessing on it of um, the the uh, who created the fruit of the tree. So why doesn't it have its own blessing? That's the question we're asking right now. Omri, so they said, Hasam, in the case of oil, or there, in the case of oil, you couldn't make a special blessing on it. What would the blessing be? Do you want it to say who creates the fruit of the olive. The problem is, is that the fruit itself, the olive itself is called an olive. 
So the olive tree is called an olive in Hebrew, it's called Zayas, and then the olive itself is called a, uh, uh, a Zayas. And if you would say, who created the fruit of the Zayas, who created the fruit of the olive, um, meaning the fruit of the olive tree, referencing the olive itself, that could also mean that you created the fruit of the olive itself, which is the oil. And the truth is, is that it wasn't God that created the oil, it's humankind that creates the oil by pressing the olive. So it wouldn't be, it could be misconstrued and misunderstood, so you couldn't make that type of blessing. So now we're going to ask, but then why don't you make the blessing of who created the fruit of Baripri Eid Zayas, who created the fruit of the olive tree, which is the olives. And that would make sense. Why doesn't it get that special bracha? Ella Amar Marzucha. Rather, Marzucha explains, Chamra Zayin Mishchalo Zayin. The reason that wine gets its own, its own special blessing and olive oil does not is because wine sustains, whereas olive oil doesn't. Um, now, does olive oil really not sustain? But didn't we learn in the Mishnah? If somebody takes a vow abstaining from all sustenance, you're still allowed to have water and salt. And they asked on this. The inference would be then is that it's water and salt that is not called sustenance. Ikri mazon, but it does seem to mean then that all other foods are called sustenance. Nema teheve tiyufta derabu Shmuel. Now this seemingly should be a refutation of Rav and Shmuel who said, Da'amri they said, Eimevarchin boremi neimazonos. We only say the blessing of who created species of sustenance. Elabachameshes haminim bavad. Only if you're eating something made from one of the five types of grain. Um, so that's that's a question that we said. That's a good question. But Omar Rapuna and Rapuna answered that question. But Omer Kol Hazan Olai. Really, when you're talking about this vow that was made, you didn't say all. You're, you didn't say that you're taking a vow from from sustaining things. Rather, you said you're taking a vow from something that sustains. And the difference is, is that some things made from grain are are known as thing, things that sustain. It happens to be, though, that there are things, though, that do sustain you but aren't labeled as sustenance. And that's what we're basically talking about. So we only make a blessing of sustenance, but who created species of sustenance on those five grains. But certainly anything but water and salt does sustain somebody. So what we see then is Alma Mishchazai, and then therefore we see then that olive oil does sustain you and if it does sustain you then we can't make a difference we can't say that the difference between wine and olive oil as far as why one has a special blessing and one doesn't is because one sustains and one doesn't really both sustain ella rather it must be the reason that we um differentiate when it comes to blessings is wine can satiate you whereas oil does not satiate you Right? Meaning it doesn't like satisfy one's appetite. Now we're going to ask, Now is it really true though that wine satisfies your appetite? Don't we know that Rava used to drink wine all of Pesach Eve, the day before the Seder or the day of the Seder? In order that he would um, kind of wet his appetite, which would then allow him to eat 
more matzah and eat enough matzah at the Seder night to fulfill his obligation in the best way possible. So we see that not only does wine not satiate, it actually makes you have an even bigger appetite. So we answer, Tuva Garer. You're right. If you drink a lot of wine, then it makes you have a bigger appetite. Porta Sayed. But if you drink a little bit of wine, that actually satiates your appetite. And then we ask, Umi Sayed Klal. Now, is it really true that wine satiates at all? V'haksev, doesn't the verse say, V'yayin yisamach levav enosh? It says that wine gladdens the heart of man. V'lechem levav enosh yisad. And bread satiates the heart of man. So it, the inference from this verse is, Namahu decided bread is something that satiates, Chamer lo side, whereas wine doesn't satiate. Ella, so no, so uh, you're, you're misunderstanding that verse. Chamra is tarte. Wine actually has two characteristics. Number one, it's side, it satiates. U misameach, and it gladdens. Nahama, whereas bread, misset side, samuchil misameach, whereas bread satiates, but it does not gladden. Okay, so now we're, we're basically saying that wine satiates. But if it's a, that's the case that it really satiates, then you should say the, 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 the same after blessing, the Birkat HaMazon, the benching of, that used to consist of three blessings, now it has more, but you should be saying that after wine instead of, instead of the shorter blessing that you would say. You should say the same blessing after wine that you do after bread if, they bo- if it satiates. So we answer, We say, no, people don't make their meals, like don't make wine into their main part of their meal, right? It's food that's made into their main part of the meal. Because it's not, uh, it's not considered a main part of a meal, um, therefore you don't say the Birkat zone after it. So Rav Nachman Yitzchak asked Rava, But now what happens if one actually does go ahead and make wine into the main part of their meal, then do you actually say Birkata Mazon like you would after bread? Um, I'm sorry, so he said back, Rabbi said back, when Elijah comes, and he'll tell us whether if making the main part of your meal wine is really considered, making it into, a, is really considered that, uh, can, can wine really become the uh, the fundamental part of your meal, and right, so we, we we're gonna wait till Eliyahu, we're gonna wait till Mashiach comes, till the Messiah comes to t- help us understand if that's the case or not. So Hashda, at this point where no one actually goes ahead and does it, so if you do it, you're considered an aberration, and we say Batla Daito Kol Adam, we say that your mindset becomes nullified um, in 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 kind of consumed by everyone else's mindset, and the normal mindset is not to make wine into the central part of a meal. And therefore, even if you do, we're going to say that was nullified. Your mindset was nullified, and you would not make Birkat zone afterwards. Okay, so now we're going to kind of retake a look at um, this, this idea that we're going to say the blessing of who created the fruit of the tree on oil. And we're at the last colon on the page. Gufa, it was we say we had said. Amr Bihud Amr Shmuel, we 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 stated that Rabbi Huda said the name of Shmuel, the Khin Amr Bitzchak Amr Byochanan, and so to the Rabitzchak said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Shemin Zayas Navarchan Alav Bari Priya It's olive oil you make on it, blessed be you, Lord our God, who created the fruit of the tree. Hey Now what is this case where you make a bore priha eats on olive oil? If you're going to say that you're drinking the olive oil straight, 
That's actually damaging. You don't drink olive oil straight. That's damaging. It's not even considered eating. Ditanya, like we learned in a Brisa. Hashosa Hashem and Shal Truma. If somebody were to drink oil that belongs to Truma or that is Truma, meaning that it was set aside as a gift for the Kohen, for the priest, and a non-priest is not allowed to then consume it, or is not allowed then to eat it, we say, Then we say, so now we're saying, so somebody drinks olive oil that belongs to Truma, we say they have to pay, they have to pay the principal, so they have to pay back the Kohen, for the oil that they took, but they don't have to pay an extra fifth. So if you eat something that belongs to Truma, you actually have to pay the principal and then a fifth. Whereas, so um, so here we're saying though that if you just drank it straight, you don't pay the fifth. Whereas if you anoint yourself with oil that belongs to Truma, you have to pay the principal, and you also have to pay the fifth. So we see very clearly then that Drinking oil straight is not considered eating. It's not considered like you're benefiting from it. And therefore, you wouldn't even make a blessing in that case, let alone, you know, so that's obviously not the scenario in which we say you make a Bori Priya Eitz, you make a, um, who created the fruit of the tree on olive oil. Um, Ella, rather the case must be, the Ka'achile Pas, rather the case must be that you eat the olive oil kind of uh, with bread. So you're dipping bread into olive oil. And that's when you're making the Borei Priha Eitz on the oil. But if that's the case, that can't be that you make, that's the case where you make the Borei Priha Eitz on oil. Havale Pas Iker, because you'll have, the bread is considered the primary food. But who tough on the olive oil is just secondary, right? It's kind of just a condiment. Utsnan, and we have a very clear ruling in our Mishnah. Zehaklal, this is the rule. Kol Shehu Iker, anytime that you have a primary food, be imo and you have something that is just secondary to it, you make a blessing on the primary food, and then you, that exempts you from making a blessing on the secondary food. So it cannot be that where you say the Bore Priya Eitz blessing on olive oil is when you're using it as a condiment and you're dipping your bread into it. Rather, it must be that the case is, is where you're drinking the olive oil as part of a soup, as part of the anigaron soup, which is a kind of like a beet soup. Dama Rabba Bar Shmuel, because Rabba Bar Shmuel said, Anigron Maya de Silka. Anigron is a soup that's made from kind of water in which beets had been soaked. An Kisron, I'm sorry, Aksigaron, and the this word Aksigaron is Maya de Kuluhu Shalki, is a kind of like a soup that is made from water in which all different types of vegetables were soaked. So where you say that you make a bore priha eats, you make the blessing on the olive oil, that's where it's mixed in with a nigaron, that's where it's mixed into a beet soup. But in Cain, happily a nigronic of a shamantafel, but if that's the case, then you'd have the same problem. The soup would be the primary food. The olive oil would just be secondary. Zehaklal, we know we learned in a Mishnah that Utanan, I'm sorry, we learned in a Mishnah, Zehaklal, we're on 36A by the way. This is the rule. Kol shehu ikar vi'imotefeila. Anytime that you have something that's the primary food and you have with it a secondary, mevarich ala ikar, you make a blessing on the primary food, ufoter satfeila, and it exempts the secondary food. Um, so that's where we are now. We don't yet know 
when would you ever make a blessing on olive oil? So we'll stop here for today and we will continue this on Wednesday. Have a great day.